Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Andrew with the Martial Wisdom Podcast. I'm very happy to be here. Happy you all are here with me. And today's episode, I'm really excited for. It's an excellent topic. A good friend of mine and a listener of this podcast, faithful listener, he recommended I do a an episode on habits, how to take away bad habits and change them into good habits or create good habits. So primarily, we're going to focus on habits in this episode. And um, one of the benefits of martial arts in general is that martial arts, the funda- one of the major fundamental basis of martial, martial arts is habit formation, quite honestly. And if you're thinking about it purely from a self-defense standpoint, it is habitually learning to react to a cue your opponent um, or a situation is presenting to you. And then learning a good habit off of that to where it becomes automatic or thoughtless. It's just a reaction. Well, the nice thing about martial arts is that nearly anybody who has done martial arts routinely for an extended period of time, I've heard of nobody who will argue with this point, and this is one of the most cited benefits of martial arts. These people will state, martial arts has helped me gain self-discipline, and I'm a much more disciplined person. And a lot of that has to do with the very essence of being able to break apart a habit and reform new habits. Because once you develop this in one area of your life, it becomes much easier to do in other areas of your life. So in this episode, we're going to talk about actually the science of habit. Uh, it's funny that he brought up this because I read a, uh, an excellent book one time called The Power of Habit. And so I'll be referencing parts of that book today because it does an overall beautiful job of a synopsis of what habit is. There's actually three parts to a habit. And scientifically, what are some proven ways we can change habits, basically? So we'll talk about habits for martial arts and then for everyday life. Really, it applies across the board. That's the beauty of this episode. Uh, Okay, so first things first, let's talk about the habit loop. We need to understand what the habit loop is. Um, The habit loop consists of three things. Number one, a cue. Number two, a routine. And number three, a reward. So let's talk first about cue. A cue basically is anything that triggers a habit. So generally, it can fall under a category. It could be a location. You're in an area that reminds you of something. You start a habit. A time of day. It could be a certain person you're around. Uh, very often, it is an emotional state. So it could, have, it could have very little to do with any of those other things. Those other things will influence it. But it can be a purely an emotional state um, or potentially a preceding action. And... Um, So for an example, maybe at a certain time of day, you crave something and um, you kind of got to go into maybe some of the reasons why at that time of the day you crave that thing. But that's the cue. The cue is the trigger. So understand that. Next is the routine. So the routine is the most obvious element. That's a lot of times when we refer to habit, that is what we're referring to. We're referring to the the behavior that comes with it. So for instance, the person who has a problem biting their nails, maybe it's a bad habit of biting their nails. It's the biting their nails part. That's the routine. And it's in response to a cue. Um, or the person who smokes, 
when they light up and start smoking, that's in response to a cue, basically. So the routine part's the easiest part to understand. Then there's the reward, and the reward is the reason really your brain is um, making you do the behavior. And um, it also creates this loop, this memory loop, a very powerful memory loop and pleasure loop in your brain to where it's like your body will automatically go to the habit even without thinking because it wants the reward. Something's cued it and your body says, let's get that reward. So you start just doing the habit. That's why unconsciously a lot of times people will just start with these habits. So bottom line is it's a good idea to just understand this habit loop. And if we're going to identify bad habits we want to change, we want to actually dissect them in terms of what's the cue, what's the behavior, or excuse me, the routine, and what is the reward. Okay, so now that we recognize what a habit loop is, let's talk about changing a habit. There's, a, there's really golden rules for changing a habit, quite honestly, as referenced in this book, The Power of Change. So bottom line is we need to understand the cue, the routine, the reward. Secondly, we need to identify, if we want to, we want to get rid of a bad habit, the, the golden rule of that is you have to replace the, um, you have to replace the actual routine in the habit with some other new routine that is constructive as opposed to destructive. So you have to think about your life and say to yourself, and most of us could probably, um, see something like, oh, if we think about our professional life, our personal life, whatever it may be, and think to ourselves, you know what, I do have a habit of doing this, and it's not helping me or anybody around me. And if you want to take it a step further, you can actually list reasons why it's not helping or why it's destructive. If you want even more ammunition to just prove to yourself rationally that, wow, this is really not helping me at all. In fact, it's kind of harming me and my relationships. This is a classic thing that was done in like Alcoholics Anonymous um, or uh, Narcotics Anonymous, different different sort of addiction anonymous groups is first you have to take the look inward and be like, okay, you got you to gotta kind of list your number one bad habit and think to yourself, develop an ammunition or an argument around that as to rationally why this isn't helping you and it's kind of harming your life in many ways. And then that should be enough ammunition for it's logically like, okay, this is a problem. This isn't helping me. And once you have that, then you write down the cue, the routine, the reward, and you try to analyze that and think about it. So think to yourself, first, start with the routine. That's the easiest one. That's often what we refer to as the habit itself. Like, let's say a person um, I'll just use a classic example. Let's say they have a smoking habit or they have, they're drinking too much, whatever it may be. I mean, you might not have these bad habits necessarily, but we all have bad habits. So it could also be, you have a bad habit of getting too angry about things and then kind of, you know, sticking your foot in your mouth, that sort of thing. I've had that before. So it's like, okay, you, you identify the habit, then go to Go to your reward. Think to yourself, what, what is my brain, my body, my psyche, or even, you know, my physical body, whatever it may be, what is it wanting in that moment? And, 
and think to yourself, why does acting out in that way in the routine, what is that rewarding me with? So example, me, certain times when I get angry, if I'd mouth off to somebody, it kind of was like blowing off steam. I felt validated, so to speak. I felt as though I was not being... Um, I don't know, it released something, is the best way to put it. So you get a release, and it's like, okay, the anger is kind of let out a little. That was the reward. Then you have to think to yourself, the cue. Where are the circumstances or the situations where I am in this sort of mode or I'm having problems with this? Well, a lot of times it would be if somebody was sort of confronting me about something. Confronting's not really a good word. If it was they were confronting me about something and I felt they were being disrespectful to me. If someone was being respectful and we had to have a conversation, that's one thing. But if I felt that they were being disrespectful to me, that was a problem. You can even look to your history for this. In my own personal experience, it was because I had a bit of a problem when I was in especially eighth grade. That was a rough year. And I had a group of people that I was around who were nothing but bullies. And the weird part was I thought they were sort of my friends and I was kind of stuck with them because I was in a small school. I really had nobody else to hang out with. But they were a bunch of bullies and they would bully me all the time about things. And I never spoke up about it. So for an entire year that happened, you suppress that long enough, it creates a real big trigger in you. And so there was my cue. When somebody reminded me of those moments, boom, I was going to blow up. I am not saying at all that you should not stand up for yourself and you should not set boundaries. Not at all. I'm just utilizing an example that I found in my personal life of a sort of a habit that was occurring that I felt uh, kind of ruffled feathers and didn't really help me, um, you know, in personal life, professional career, that sort of thing. And so it was like, well, how, how then do you get rid of this habit? Well, the bottom line is, and even is scientifically proven, you have to replace it with a healthier um, routine. So if I got into a situation, I identified a situation where somebody was making me feel like they were bullying me, the healthiest thing I probably could say in that moment was, please do not speak to me that way. I mean, think about that. That's a bold statement, but there's nothing rude about that statement. Uh, It sets a healthy boundary. And it's something that you can say that sets a polite boundary, but at the same time gets your point across, as opposed to just blowing up. You need to effing blah, blah, blah. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's a healthier way of doing it. So then... um, Also, it gets my point across, and I feel as though I am rewarded with what I wanted from the beginning and just some validation as a human being and not to feel like I'm being stepped on. So same goes across the board with everything else. This is just a personal example I'm using just to kind of give you guys a tangible example to start doing things with. So um, this sort of thing is... And a good example of how you dissect it and change that sort of moment. Um, and you can do this with any process, essentially. 
actually the book speaks about this one lady who uh the book also speaks about this one lady this is what actually drew me into the book itself and um years prior she was a chain smoker she was horribly unhealthy she looked like she was 10 years older than she was and she's a relatively young woman she was uh working in a stressful job environment too so that wasn't helping and she just would chain smoke and so she was trying to get rid of this chain smoking and help her habits and the interesting thing was a year later they all of a sudden they see this woman walk into the room and she looks so healthy and attractive and they're thinking to themselves like who is this like who did we interview in the past that this is now <laughs> and they look at the name and they identify oh my gosh this is that person from a year ago they remembered who this was and they started interviewing her and they were like you look amazing like you look super healthy you look athletic now you look um happy and you look calm i mean because she was very nervous in her first interview it was a part of some interesting study that the book goes over and she explained to them that she actually took so one of her major cues she would feel anxious she would feel overwhelmed things like that that was her cue and then she would smoke so she'd go to smoking and she was, so she thought to herself well why don't i just try to replace this with another habit to get some reward because a lot of times when people smoke or something they just do it as a, a means of reducing anxiety in that moment so she thought to herself well what's something i can do that's a healthier habit she thought well i can start jogging so she slowly started jogging and then actually she developed a goal to run it was i think like a marathon or something like that by the end of the year so she anytime she was uh at a certain time of day when she felt the urge to smoke and she could she would just go out for a jog and the natural endorphin release that occurred during that would reduce her anxiety and put her in a better mental state to where she felt as though okay i, I don't need a smoke i got rewarded i got what i needed out of this and then she was eventually able to quit smoking altogether and then she was able to lose weight on this she was able to get healthier and i mean they saw her and she was able i think eventually she got into a job that she was happier with it just it was a cascading effect of one little habit change that changed her entire life for the better so that's a more dramatic example but that's that's what i'm talking about these are all examples of how you can realistically change a bad habit by replacing your um replacing your um process your routine in that habit loop with something else and that's the bottom line is you can't from my own experience i've even worked with people in my family who've kind of had food addictions they've been overweight and the only thing that i've ever found to be ever successful in that regard too is you need to replace the habit the old bad habit with a healthier habit you can't just say oh i'm going to get rid of that you can't and science actually shows that in the basal ganglia they've actually re put wires and to be able to detect information in rats brains um and they found that they found these certain pathways that are these loops that's why we call them 
loops, um, habit loops, that when a cue is triggered, it triggers them to do a certain behavior to get a certain reward. And then it, the loop and the cycle just continues of these particular areas of the brain being activated. And they found that even when they were able to actually, I can't remember in this study if they were actually severing, trying to sever the loops or do something. I, somehow they were able to get the rats to no longer do this uh, behavior. They were giving them a new behavior and they were, quote, essentially treated and they were no longer in that same, um, they weren't addicted to the same thing, put it that way. Their loops were still going. So you always have the same loops, but it's the routine or the behavior um, that you actually change. So those same loops are being activated, if that makes any sense. So understand the science behind this. If anything, that should be kind of empowering to people because it might be that you've battled with something for a long period of time. Like, oh, I can't get a, I can't kick this bad habit. Well, start doing it scientifically and you'll see what I mean. And then also think about this brain science out there. The brain science shows that the loop never really truly disappears. At least that's what they've found so far based upon my reading. It's just that you can hijack the loop for new good behaviors. So think of that that way. You're going to replace the the unhealthy, the less healthy behavior with a better behavior, and then that's what makes a good habit. That's what is replacing the bad habit or bad uh, routine. Um, okay, so let's talk now martial arts. So for my martial artists out there, and for those of you who don't study martial arts yet, we we're still we still want you. So we're still working on you because we want you there. So because um, it'll change your whole life with martial arts. Let me explain to people, especially those who don't do it. But it's even a good refresher for us, a different perspective on those of us who do martial arts regularly. Let's talk about this loop, this habit loop for martial arts. In martial arts, when we're focusing, we focus obviously on other things, but primarily we focus on the self-defense component. So let's say you're in there sparring with your training partner um, and you, you're in there sparring with your training partner and you're learning cues. You're learning in situations when your opponent starts coming at you with like a jab, this opens them up to these attacks and it makes you more vulnerable to these attacks or you have to defend a certain way. And with martial arts, behaviors can change very quickly because quite honestly, the reward is not getting hit or not getting smashed or not getting thrown or not getting strangled or not getting your joint um, manipulated to where you have to tap out. I mean, these are some real survival basic, deep, hardcore, instinctive, lower brain kind of rewards they're ones that can that we easily operate on and and can easily persuade us to change behavior so when you have that person throwing punches at you over and over and you're you're going to learn very quickly very quickly um how to block those successfully in a way that works for you or or evade them successfully and then once you have that down then it's going to be how do, what's a counterattack I can do under these circumstances that will actually work? And you find out real quickly what works because you're tired of being hit in the face. 
Now, obviously, when you train smart, you're not hitting each other hard in the face. You're not trying to ruin each other's faces or give each other traumatic brain injury. But you do it just enough to where it's a sting. And even with that little bit of sting, nobody likes getting hit in the face. You know what I mean? So this is the basis of self-defense, um, habit change. And so you learn, you, you essentially replace bad uh, routines or behaviors with better ones that protect you more. And then you get an even better reward. It's like, well, I didn't get hit or I dominated my training partner. And so then that prepares you for potential real life scenarios. Um, same thing is also true with the emotional side, the psychological and emotional side and spiritual side of martial arts as well. That's why you should do stress testing. So in addition to sparring, you should have these scenarios where you stress your body and your mind and you put yourself in bad situations over and over again to where that, to where you learn successful behaviors or routines in those scenarios when you're super stressed, super potentially emotional. Um, one of the beauties of it is you learn more, much healthier and much more practical and successful strategies in those situations so that if you're put in one in real life, you have the ability to actually automatically react appropriately, whereas your opponent probably doesn't if they're not training. But also, it also kind of diminishes your um your cue the power of the cue so for instance let's say it makes you you get into really bad sympathetic fight or flight mode when someone gets in your face about something well if you are training and that happens regularly it kind of diminishes that significantly in real life uh, don't get me wrong you're still going to have the fight or flight response but over time, you're going to learn to kind of channel that response to something more, more successful, a more successful way of doing things. Um, and it's going to be a lessened response in terms of your, it's going to be a much lessened response in terms of your heightened anxiety. Like you'll be able to, you'll be more on alert mode than you will be just plain anxious because anxiety doesn't help anybody in most cases survive a dangerous encounter quite honestly so that's the martial arts side of it now the everyday side of it we kind of already spoke about we just need to be honest with ourselves and identify a bad behavior and then try to change it for a good one and um, that's kind of I think that's kind of the million dollar golden rule is if you're going to try to change a bad behavior um, you have to replace it with a better one or a better routine because we know from the studies you still have those feedback loops. So just simply replace the behavior for generating or perpetuating or completing those habit loops. I hope I, I hope I'm drilling that in you 100%. Um, that you realize you always have those loops. That's why people from if they have developed a poor or unhealthy habit from a young age, they might have it their entire life. And that is very normal. I hate to say it, but it's very normal. They should recognize that as being very normal and they should actually be empowered by that knowledge and be like, okay, but I can utilize this to develop a more successful habit. And so let's say 
you are a smoker or you drink too much and it's like, hey, I want to get rid of this habit or I want to diminish this habit and you've always wanted to be a runner or you've always wanted to do this or that um, sort of exercise thing, try to replace it. Try to take away the bad habit by replacing it with the good one. Um, so this is a, definitely a, uh, a way to do this. Um, successfully, scientifically, it's worked a lot for me in the past. Um, it's in a, it, this is a remarkable book, The Power of Change. Another one that I actually want to read as well, I have not read, is Atomic Habit. That goes more into the science of habit change as well. Um, Dave Asprey, who's an in interesting guy who runs a really cool podcast. He had the author on one time, so I'm going to get that book eventually. I recommend both those to you. So now let's just go over a recap of this episode. Bottom line is we all have bad habits. That's the bottom line. And I think in order to, I think in order, based upon my own experience and what, what a lot of the research that I've read has told me, is for one, you, you get rid of one habit at a time, so to speak. Find one th simple thing to focus on. Remember your habit loop, your cue, your routine, your reward. So maybe find something in your life. And a lot of us, it might be very easy. It's like, well, this right here is the habit I want to change. You know, you have to have a reason for changing a habit and, um, recognize it as being unhealthy then, you know, recognize, kind of write out your cue, your routine, your reward. And then remember, what are we trying to replace? We're replacing the routine. So just interject something that's reasonable. Um, again, I think that's another problem is a lot of times people will do something way too unreasonable. Um, instead of just being like, well, I'm going to start jogging to get in better shape. And the first day you do it, it's like, well, I could only do 15 minutes or 20 minutes. That's okay for a few, first few weeks and then up it as opposed to being like, well, I'm going to start jogging. I'm going to run for four hours right off the bat. No, that's going to just burn you out. You're going to get injured. You're going to get deflated when you realize right off the bat, you can't do it. So just stick with reasonable habit changes and don't necessarily set them in stone. Just say, just say, I'm going to replace this um, routine with this. You don't necessarily have to put a time stamp on it or anything like that and just see where it goes, but be persistent. Persistence is the key. And oftentimes I think I, I believe I've heard in the past that, um, that, uh, you actually are able to, um, you're actually able to develop the new habit in about 30 days, I believe it is. Um, it, it, I've heard it's the 30 days to make or break a new habit. And um, if you're persistent with it, generally by that time period, which might seem like a long time, but you look back at it, it's really only a month. And to be able to like break a habit or form a new habit that's healthier, that's going to make your life better, that's a kind of a small amount of time, really which is bring, should give you a lot of hope. Might not be easy at first, but it's kind of a small amount of time. So um, that's the bottom line. And I will leave you guys with an example to, this is actually in the sports industry, if you're into sports. This is a perfect example. Um, back in 1999, I believe it was, and this is from this book, or 1996, I'm sorry. 
So the year prior, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were just one of the worst teams in the NFL. They were losing game after game. They even lost to the Detroit Lions two times that year, which were said to be the absolute worst team. So the Buccaneers pretty much replaced any notion of being the worst team at that time. Well, finally, there was a young aspiring coach that was up and coming, and he was trying to get a head coach job. You might know of him, Tony Dungy. And finally, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were so desperate, they were like, we're going to buy into Tony Dungy's, his philosophy, because he had in every interview, and he'd have numerous interviews for head coach, he said, my job as a head coach is to do um, habit change, basically. He said, I, I devise simple form, formations and I have all my players just follow simple cues that the other team do. And it's my job to get them to simply react automatically because that's faster than a rational thinking thought in the opponent's head. And a lot of people thought this guy was crazy. Well, they finally hired him in 1996. And eventually Tony Dungy took the Buccaneers to a Super Bowl. He actually is the only, at least at the time that this book was written, the only coach to have brought a team to 10 consecutive playoffs. 10 consecutive playoffs. That's quite a feat. Um, he was simply brilliant. And his whole philosophy was around uh, the habit loop. He would teach each of his players, instead of having this whole playbook of tons of plays, he would have a few formations and we teach each of his players to just simply change a little bit of their routine based upon the cues the other team was giving them on the other side. And boy, was this successful. And it was so successful that actually so many other, this became kind of a very normal, uh, a normal way of training NFL teams at that point after. Once, once people actually saw the success of Tony Dungy's strategy. So bottom line is, guys, um, it's, it's normal, it's human to have bad habits. And um, being able to replace your bad habit with a good habit is just only going to empower you. It's only going to make your life any so much better. In a way, it's very freeing because habits, quite honestly, bad ones, they enslave us. I mean, let's be honest. They make us feel like slaves. They make us feel trapped in kind of a negative feedback loop. So it's much better if we can change at least one of these habits um, you know, maybe think of our worst one and try to change it, but replace it with a good routine. And you'll find that over time, probably once you hit that magic 30 day mark, that habit you will have essentially replaced and you'll be opening up new doorways, new channels in your life. And you'll be feeling much freer and much better as a human being. And it will just open up doorways. Um, and so hopefully this episode was was uh, enlightening for you guys. And again, text, email me on any new episodes that you want to hear, new subject matters. You guys are all great. Love you all. Have a great day.